0: hey there good evening jeff
1: hello there sir
0: hey it's a new year it's 2021
1: it is it is it's a new calendar year man uh happy new year
0: happy new year to you uh and i hope that you also had uh, a good holiday season in general how'd it go for you
1: good man good um did get together with the uh, the family. We kept it pretty low key and small, uh, small gathering numbers. You know what I mean. Uh, For the best this year. Yeah, trying to stay conscious of the whole thing. Um, but uh, yeah, everything uh, went well, man. Went well. Uh, how about yourself?
0: It was really fun. I kept it low key as well. Immediate family. After got tested and ensured that, a little more peace of mind and hadn't seen them in person for a while, and it was worth it. We didn't do anything extravagant, very laid back, relaxed, and just kind of were mindful of the year that we all had, and that was about it, and we were just kind of ready to usher out that year, and ideally start a lot more positively with this one. So yeah, great holiday season and plenty of movies watched and plenty of mulled wine that I drank. And yeah, I was about as merry as I could be, but I'm looking forward to this next year so I can properly celebrate with more friends and family.
1: Definitely. Um, it's interesting you miss mentioned, uh, You know, it had been a while since you had seen them, And I got this feeling because I was in the same situation. It had been months. And uh, I don't know, man. I just, there was a time where I was just like overcome with gratitude to be able to spend time with these people that I, you know, it's. I think it's naturally that thing that we always just take for granted. It's family. We're going to see them all the time and all of that. And then when you don't have that, man, I don't know. There was just, it just was a great feeling to see everyone and be in the same place, you know? I don't know it's yeah it's been it's been a weird year as we've talked about before so
0: yeah and there's a bit more light at the end of all this in terms of the season coming up and breakthroughs with the vaccines and so let that continue and get on the other side of this so that we can all start celebrating things in our lives again and whether they be big or small We can make them important. We can catch up from last year, do it twice as much, but there's still going to be some transition time and we're still going to have to be responsible and key, solid, beneficial ways to not only ourselves and others, but again, it's always going to be worth it because the lives that we all want to return to, that's where we were all sharing the love that we all had before this. So, this is just that tough but correct path. And looking forward to seeing everyone once this is all over.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, I mean, if you're using technology correctly, there is a way to, to stay in touch with people. And uh, I'm right there with you, man. Like, there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel. We know, we know what we need to do to get through this and get back to normal. And uh, hopefully that will happen at some point this year. I, uh, we can celebrate the day of uh, sitting down, having some uh, beers out on the porch once again, once all this is over. Oh,
0: and get back to our roots. Exactly. Where it all kind of sprouted in our minds out there on the porch.
1: The genesis.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, and there was uh, a completely natural segue here of all the matches that I watched during the festive fixture season for the Premier League, Uh, let's get into the run of matches that we were kind of mentioning in our last episode where it's kind of famous in England in terms of how many matches take place in a very short period of time, not much more than, you know, two, three weeks. And so after Spurs were doing well as of last time, uh, it was a mixed bag from there on where we lost 2-1 to... Liverpool, who were champions last season. And it was funny in that we had more quality chances, but sometimes quality does not equate to the ball going over the line. Simple as that. And the one thing that really annoyed me about that game was just kind of the natural pivot of commentary on different channels and programs all that type of stuff saying that because of the way that Liverpool played it was a deserved win but going back to the quality chances despite our lesser way of playing <laughs> it just leads to kind of having to figure out what formulas they were using to come to that conclusion where yeah you know teams can play really open expansive attractive football, that's great. And they can, you know, impose that on lots of other teams and get the results that they want. And, you know, that can either be allowed or maybe it it just happens anyway with the other club. But if there's a club that knows how to counteract that with their own style, I think it's just kind of arbitrary to automatically... Rank that as a lesser style.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's always, there's always been that knock and that stigma with a Mourinho led club, right? It's always this thing of, it gets twisted in that thing of like, you just park the bus and you play from the back and you do all of this. And like, I don't agree with it. And it's, yeah, every team should start at the back, right? Like, you need a strong defense. You need to be able to stop the other team from scoring. You need, defenders that can distribute the ball forward and make it happen and like we've talked about this in past podcasts before of Mourinho being at Real Madrid and bagging 100 plus goals in a season and setting the record and it's like but that he plays unattractive football right And it's like he didn't do anything different there right he maybe had more talent than Spurs have right now or United had when he was the coach there but it's it's always been the same style and like to the point that you made, it's like you guys created more actual chances. And I get it. Like sometimes the ball just doesn't go your way and you just don't get that goal. But it's like, if you would have scored, let's say you had five of those chances and you scored twice and you ended up beating them three to two, then all of a sudden it's Jose masterclass and cop Klopp got put in his place and all of this. But it's like, just because like you were unlucky on a couple of those chances and it didn't happen. Now all of a sudden it's unattractive football and blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't know. They're, the media is the media, man. It's.
0: Yeah. And it's just something that I find to be an unnecessary opinion because if all these ideals that they say that teams should play with when faced with a clearly superior attacking threat and you name it, Liverpool, PSG, any other elite front line in Europe. Okay, so you should just foolishly cling to those and just hope that it comes out. Or you can be just clear-headed and know that you have the quality and the training and the know-how to fully snuff out what they do with the ball. Okay, yeah, we're going to stop that. And we know exactly what we're going to do when we get the ball back in key areas and we're going to be efficient and clinical and overwhelmingly we were in that match. But again, it's just hits the post, fingertips, all that type of stuff. So,
1: it, and it's kind of like the proof is in the pudding, right? Like you had the chances. So that by definition, what you guys were doing was working. Right. And again, like just because you don't get the last step or put the period at the end of the sentence doesn't mean that it doesn't what you did in between there doesn't mean something or is all all of a sudden invalidated, well, right? But, yeah. And it's just, I get it. Like, it's, those are the frustrating matches as a fan. The most frustrating, right? Especially when you're playing a team as good as Liverpool where you're like, you know, like maybe that same guy gets that chance a hundred, you know, a hundred times and makes it 98 or 99 yeah. out of a hundred. And that was the one time he didn't, you know? And it, it, I mean, it happens. It's, it's soccer, it's sports, it's life. It's just the way it is, but... The yeah, again, the media thing, it's they get paid to have opinions, and I get it, but it's just it it gets it gets tiresome, especially when you have an elite coach like you guys have who's always been a victim of the media, right? And and then they've always attacked him no matter what club he's at, and
0: you know, because he's kind of always been an outsider,
1: yep, yep, definitely. And he he's always marched to the beat of his own drum, and that's why I respect that man so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So that was uh that was a tough result. We lost to Leicester after that, drew with Wolves after getting early goal, sitting back a little bit too much, and then just conceding a late equalizer. And then we took it to Leeds and beat them three 0 just you know, fully taking advantage of their open style of play. Again, you know, they cling to their ideals. We see that, know exactly what to do and It could have been different had Bamford converted that earlier chance and, you know, drawn, you know, level, all that. But it didn't. Again, chances. And that kind of balanced things out led into uh, a more positive result yet where we won our semifinal match in the Carabao Cup 2-0 against Brentford who are a very good championship side, uh, very close to getting promoted into the Premier League. Uh, Last season lost the promotion playoff match against Fulham, but I think that they're fully in the mix uh, for promotion again uh, going into next season. So um, we'll be in the final on April 25th, and uh, then our next cup tie is on January 10th where we take on 8th tier Marine AFC. And that's just kind of one of those crazy matches where it pits those hypothetical juggernauts of top of the Premier League with guys that played on the side in addition to their Monday to Friday job.
1: Um, but that's, I mean, that, that to me is the beauty of the FA Cup, right? And you have these love it. these dream stories. And it's funny, too, when they get drawn, when you get drawn Away there too, because you get to see your club playing some of these stadiums that look like the equivalent of like a high school stadium in the States, you know what I mean? It's just it's uh
0: It'd be the equivalent of like the Minnesota Twins playing like a, a semi pro team or like single A team in an actual, you know, tournament yep. that had an an end result of a trophy.
1: Well, and it just it breeds the Cinderella story, right? Because you know it seems like every couple of years you get one of those teams that gets deeper and deeper into the FA Cup and it's like oh my goodness like and like you said most of these guys especially when you're talking about eighth tier like these guys are plumbers and whatever during the week and then they're playing football on the side and you know for them to be able to have a chance to play teams like Tottenham or United or anyone else or playing some of these stadiums is we can think about that. I mean, it's a dream come true. That's why you why you still do it, you know. And uh I was going to joke with you about uh how you guys get such the easy draws with you getting Brentford and us getting City in the Carabao and then Marine AFC and we got Watford this weekend uh in the FA Cup, but obviously I know uh there's no conspiracy or anything behind that. It's just the way the luck of the draw goes. So.
0: And in all fairness, we had beaten Chelsea in an earlier round. There you go. So that there was just a, a hurdle that we had to clear a little bit earlier where otherwise we've lost to them in the final of this cup uh, at the end of the 14-15 uh, season. And then we lost to them in the semi-final of the 16-17 season. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of good to get a one up on them and, uh, just kind of have that in the rearview mirror a little bit earlier, and um, just kind of reap the benefits of that. So, yeah, it'll be uh, us in the final, and uh, yeah, it'll uh, it'll be nice just to kind of have that in the horizon and just prepare for that and not have to think about it for a little bit.
1: Well, yeah, and that's it's it is nice too that you got a couple months. So you know we're coming out of the end of that crazy time that we talked about where we're just all stacked with so many matches and it's just it seems unfair not only to your club but to every other club too that has to go through it Um, especially if you're in European competitions as well but uh, it's nice knowing that you secured yourself in a final and obviously we'll touch on your opponent here in a little bit but uh, you know it's that's what Jose Mourinho does right is win trophies so and I I mean I guess we could kind of just segue into it now because we were, funny enough, we got together last night and we were going to do this, and then uh, United and City played, Manchester City played in the other semi for the Carabao Cup, so I kind of said to Andrew, why don't we maybe just wait a day and uh, know what this result is um, so we can talk about it, and now, now that I know the result and watched it, maybe I wish we would have recorded this yesterday, but... Um, so uh obviously if you haven't seen spoiler alert city beat united uh to nothing today hey come on man. <laughs> hey i said spoiler alert you can yeah you can yeah. mute it right yeah, um, right exactly but uh we were talking about it a little bit before we recorded um united just looked flat today just couldn't really do it uh missed some some good chances were leaky at the back especially on the first goal i mean it was a a set piece where Maguire just completely let the ball go by. And, and I mean, John Stones ran into the ball. He wasn't even, he didn't even make an attempt to play on it. He ran into it and it went in the goal. So
0: it was in between, he ran in between Maguire and Shaw correct? Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I just, I felt with the way the angle was and the way it bounced. I mean, it looked to me like Maguire could have easily cleared that ball and he lets it bounce because I think maybe he thought there wasn't anyone behind him and it would go. And it would be a goal kick, but, like, you don't take that chance, man. Like, you just don't. And, uh, Andrew, you know my disdain that I had for, for Harry Maguire and the money we paid for him. And uh, it's like when I see mistakes like that, I just, you know, I was watching the match with my dad today, and he just turned to me and just goes, he's never been good enough. And they just keep putting him out there, you know? And I, I won't say that he's never been good enough because he has had some really good matches for us, some really good runs, but... um.
0: He's another victim of his price tag.
1: Oh, for sure. 100%. And uh, He's a
0: perfectly serviceable center back that can play at a top club, but unfortunately had a very hefty uh, fee added on for being English. And that's just kind of the elephant in the room is that, you know, at that time, Leicester City were commanding really hefty fees for their up-and-coming talents. And, you know, you can – you know, list some guys that they've been able to keep, but there was a time where they were selling and what allowed them to have funds to make this next surge in, in their club history of being more consistently toward the top of the table.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm sure as a fan, I know what McGuire's price tag was. So I probably scrutinize him more than another player, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, you can't, make those type of mistakes against a team like city and they're just going to make you pay for it. And, uh, they did. And, uh, I was a little surprised though at, you know, us playing our quote unquote rivals or city rivals, how flat we came out because we were prior to this, we were on quite a good run. Um, we were unbeaten in seven total. I think six of those being league matches five out of the seven being wins with two draws, so there was that, and I, I still, you know, today doesn't ruin it for me because I know at this point, hey, we're out of that competition now. It's one less thing to worry about, and you got to focus on the league. And um, you know, we're not quite halfway through right now. I believe maybe one more match, two more matches gets us to the halfway point because it'll be eighteen uh, to halfway point, right?
0: Uh, nineteen.
1: Nineteen oh be. Uh, oh yeah, diego, yeah, 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 nineteen. Um, yeah, and we're at sixteen played right now, so. But yeah, and just
0: with some of the rescheduling going on, there's matches in hand and all of that. so
1: well yeah, and that's where we're at I mean our first our very first game of the season got rescheduled and that's why us and City are sitting with the game in hand right now. but um you know we kind of touched on this yesterday. I um, am certainly not trying to put the, the cart before the horse uh, mentally, but it feels good right now to be tied at the top of the table with Liverpool the thing is, is everything is so fluid and it can move. And funny enough, I mean, this, the last time we recorded, what, two weeks ago, you guys were top of the table. You dropped all the way down to seventh. You're back up to fourth now. And you're three points out of first place. Yeah. Three, three points. So
0: a little mini roller coaster the last few weeks.
1: Yep. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. And, uh, you know, me, I say this all the time. I probably say it every time we record a podcast, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know? And, um, We got off to a slow start this season, but I feel like we've been way more consistent the last month to month and a half. And uh, I know we kind of faulted a little bit in Champions League, and that was a disappointing end to that. But as far as the league is concerned, we've been pulling pretty much steady wins or at least ties for the last two months, and that's what you need, right, to be be in the competition. That's the biggest thing. And we obviously have FA Cup against Watford, as I mentioned, uh, this weekend. But after that, I believe there's one match and then we actually play Liverpool. So that's a good chance for us to seize the opportunity. And I think that's where we're at as a club is, is trying to get over that next hump. And I think that's where Ole's at as a manager. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people complaining online today because I this was, I want to say for sure the second, but I believe it was the third semifinal we've got knocked out of since he's been a coach. And there's, you know, there's always two ways to look at that, right? Glass half full, glass half empty type of thing of... You got to give credit where credit's due of getting to the semi, but we're Manchester United, right? Like, you you win things. You win trophies. This is what you got to do. I've been going a lot back and forth with uh, your oldest brother, who's also a United fan, and we both agreed. This is, for me, I feel it's the most consistent and most competitive team we've put together, honestly, since Ferguson left. And I know Mourinho finished second uh, one year. That, I think, is the only time that I could compare to what I'm seeing now. But uh, they also got to keep it up, man, because, again, we're not even not even at the halfway point right now.
0: Yeah, and albeit something that wound up being involved with a separate club from you, there was a movement in Europe of Mauricio Pochettino, who used to manage Tottenham. Uh, he went to PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, and he is going to be their new manager. And he had been rumored uh, for the last few seasons as being a potential successor at Manchester United. So it was just kind of like this random rumor that just never faded just because he didn't have a job after having left Spurs. And so um, I think that it's a fitting appointment for him having played for PSG back in the 90s. But... Yeah, I think that it could potentially just lead to a little bit less pressure. But that all is hypothetical just based off of what types of conversations he's even been having, you know, with management where he could have already been having discussions that gave him confidence or just let him know what the future was going to be, at least moving forward, you know, with the club.
1: Well, yeah, and I I think even pochettino had gotten to a point where he's like look they're playing better as a club i can see it so maybe this is my time to not wait anymore and he goes to a club that he knows and he's familiar with back to the only thing and then i there is something else i want to say about pochettino but i just with the way the the media is in england which obviously is kind of a common theme with what we're talking about tonight like it's printed every single week that As soon as United falter, as soon as we tie, as soon as we lose, oh, it's Pochettino. They've already talked to Pochettino. They contacted Pochettino. And, like, him moving to PSG right now, it has to take some sort of pressure off Ole. And, like, I get it. Like, there's always pressure. It's Manchester United. You have to win. You have to have results. But hearing that constantly lingering behind you for year after year could not have been a good thing, you know? And I think for Pochettino at PSG, I think it's a good move, right? There's a lot of talent there. But it's also this thing of like, there's only one thing that you can do to be a success there. Right. And if he doesn't do that in two or three seasons, he's not going to be there. And I know he's a PSG guy and he played there, but they don't, they don't mess around, man with the money. Those guys have invested it's champions league or bust. And obviously the league isn't even, what is it? Seven, eight years in a row. They've won it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's one of the least competitive leagues in my eyes. And, uh, it's a shoe in you're already assumed that you're going to win a domestic cup and win the league. But Pochettino has to do what he couldn't do at Spurs and get them to the finals and then get them to win. And that's why I've always liked the guy a lot, but I I just mean, you're going to have to win champions league or you're not going to be a PSG long. And that's what it's going to come down to. So,
0: yeah, I think that similar to a lot of other managers that come in middle of the season, I think that he's going to yield a lot to what the core quality of the squad wants to do and how they want to play and maybe weave in some of his own philosophies, etc. I think that, and this is something that he really likes to have ideally at each club, is that PSG have an amazing academy of youth talent at their disposal. I shouldn't say at their disposal, but... For that they're cultivating, that they are training all the time. And I think that we may see throughout this season core, top academy youngsters making appearances for PSG, showing up on the bench, uh, getting specialized training and tutelage with the first team. Pochettino always likes to do that, bring in you know, some new youngsters that otherwise may have been overlooked by the previous management and get them first team training minutes just so that they can start playing with more grown men and higher quality uh, level of talent, et cetera. And that's going to be one of the things is to see what youth talent PSG have had but may potentially have been kept from getting more minutes just because there was such a high-priority Placed on appeasing certain people, but that remains to be seen. Just in the next few weeks, because I think he's only led them in training once or twice, and managed them today. Today, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they tied
1: one-one with uh, Saint Etienne. I think he's got to go. I think he's got to get well, out. Well, <laughs> and I, I just I find it funny because it popped in my head as you were talking about kind of the point. I guess the point that I had made about him having a short leash is I mean Thomas Tuchel got you to the final last year and then the match before you got rid of him they won four to nothing so you think about having the luxury of okay we just won four to nothing and this manager isn't good enough right and I get that they're in second place right now they're three points out because Leon has been having a fantastic season but it's that thing of like it, again, man, like, it's, it's just, it's super high standards, and, uh, I just, he's gonna have to be successful, and he's gonna have to be successful quick, because, uh, clubs like that, I, I, to me, PSG is like a Chelsea, right, it's almost a revolving door of managers, and, uh, you have to win Champions League or you're gone, you know, so.
0: Yeah, just quick in regards to Chelsea, rumors of Lampard being on the hot seat if he doesn't turn results around, I mean, just with the full-on assortment of players he has to pick for any given match, they should be performing a lot better, and I have no idea the validity of this, but I'm not a reporter, so I don't really have to worry about it, as it's not going into print, whispers of uh, Julian Nagelsmann uh, to take over at Chelsea. I'm not sure what timeline that would be as, you know, uh, Leipzig are still in champions league and making a strong run. So I'd imagine he'd want to see that through just for potential bragging rights in the future of having that in his cabinet and, you know, pointing to that for future negotiations at other clubs.
1: Well, yeah. And they've lost, I just looked it up. So they've lost four out of their last six matches. Um, but I still, I, I, I remember this, and I was talking to my my pops about it the other day when I was over last Friday watching United Austin Villa <coughs> about Chelsea struggles, and it was before one of the um, Omaha Union matches when we were out tailgating, and uh, your one buddy, I can't remember his name, is a Chelsea fan. I just remember having a conversation with him about how great it was that they had spent the money and every single player that they bought, I rated, I really liked them. They were players that, I've been attracted to and everything like that but we also talked about like this doesn't automatically make you shoe-ins to win the league because yeah you can buy all these bright shiny parts but they all got to fit together and they got to work together and I think that's part of what we're kind of seeing right now and we kind of joked about it I was like dude you just keep buying attacking players and they bought all these attacking players and now they're just give up goals left and right and it's like yeah, I get that you got Tiago Silva. He's also 35, 36 years old. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can just buy talent to buy talent, but you have to have a manager that knows how to fit it all together. And, uh, it's just crazy to me. Cause you know, you go back a month, month and a half ago and it was just like Lampard's a man. And like, he's proving that he's one of the best managers at the EPL and all of this. And now how quickly it, you know, a couple weeks changes and now it's, he's on the hot seat. And you know, I think the reason you, you started it was me mentioning how it's, Chelsea's like a revolving door when it comes to managers. So, Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't understand why Chelsea made the appointment to begin with. They appointed him when they were going through their transfer ban, and so they were promoting a lot of their youth. Mason Mount, uh, I think Hudson O'Doy started getting more minutes as well. Oh, and- Reese James. Loftus-Cheek a little bit yep. as well, maybe. Yeah, Reese James especially. Uh, but really, before that, he had managed Darby County, and that was his first managerial role. I just don't understand how a club with such a high incentive for consistent top performances, Chelsea, would just give a recently retired club legend the helm
1: uh, yeah, go ahead.
0: I always I always found it suspect of an appointment and questionable, and I thought it was unnecessarily sentimental and not based on enough evidence of a proper CV. Well, yeah, and you, name.
1: and you have the means to bring in big names, and you've done it before. You've had Mourinho there twice. You've had Ancelotti there, right? Like, I think back to all of the coaches, and they were all fairly big names, and I guess maybe that proves the thing that maybe we're talking about right now is, like, why did they go with him? And maybe it's like, hey, we've tried all these big names, and we've had moderate success, and now we're going to go with one of our guys. But, um, yeah, I, it— it was surprising, and I think Arsenal are going through a little bit of that same thing right now. And I get that Arteta had been an assistant under Pep and everything, but...
0: I think Arteta remains to be seen. I think he does have a solid enough ethos of what he eventually wants to do, as much as it pains me to say that. I, I think that he's too stringent of what he knows can be done for this to be a full indictment. I honestly think that he could potentially turn them around in the next, you know, season, season and a half or so. Um, I don't want that to happen, but <laughs> I think that uh, Arteta is capable of doing that. I think he has the head on his shoulders to do that for them, unfortunately.
1: Well, yeah, and yeah, I um, it, I mean, it remains to be seen, obviously, right? And, uh, I mean, even they were... 14th, 15th now up to 11th, right? And uh, what a difference a couple matches makes. And uh, I think the other thing that's going to be tougher for kind of these new managers that are trying to prove themselves, right, is the whole COVID thing and the fact that, like, they may not get access to funds um, moving forward, right? Just like, I mean, I even hear it from United. It's just like, cool, we can't spend like we used to because we're not bringing in the revenue that we used to. And uh, I know Chelsea kind of defied that a little bit last year, but I think... Also, having the transfer ban, the previous what two windows, you don't spend any money at all. So, you go out and show the manager, "Hey, we're supporting you." But um, yeah, I just uh, I don't. Chelsea looks like a lost football club right now, and uh, it's tough seeing Christian Pulisic go through it. And you can tell he's really, really frustrated. And uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I'd heard some of the uh, the hot seat rumors as well, and you know the point you brought up about Nagelsmann is uh, getting a coach like that to leave mid-year when, I mean, he got that team to the semifinals of champions league last year. They have a good chance to go deep again this year and to get that guy to just walk away from that project in the middle of the year to join Chelsea. I just don't see that happening.
0: Yeah. Just going back to my earlier point, I think, I think he'll wind up seeing out this season and even just allowing for other potential offers to come through. Yeah. And because at the rate he's going, I think that this was a good next step for him, having come from Hoffenheim and leading them to Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was really unexpected in, in Germany for them to have that season result as a club. And then the, you know, move to to Leipzig, it's, it's i think he's bound for a bigger club at the end of this season
1: yeah and uh i i remember it was like a month ago month and a half ago it was rumored that real had reached out to him about an opening and i don't know if it's when they brought Zidane back this second time
0: that sounds right
1: and he just you know i i can't i could not imagine man he's what 33 34 years old right now and so that would have been when he was 31 32 of having a club like real reach out to you to offer you i don't know if they officially offered or just were feeling or putting feelers out there you know what i mean but i couldn't imagine being that age and managing a club like real madrid you know it's it's insane and i think he did the right thing of staying and uh he's a fantastic manager man he's one of the brightest young minds in football and uh it's gonna be really really interesting to see where he ends up at and i i I like you. I think he's going to stay at Leipzig till the end of the season, and then reassess. And uh Chelsea, I mean, they could always do. It. They've done it before, where they fire a guy mid-season and just have an interim come in for the rest of the year. You know, so
0: bring back Gus Hiddink.
1: There you go. There you go.
0: Yeah. Well, John Franco Zola.
1: Yeah. Who they have had, they had Sc- Scolari for a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to as we were talking about Chelsea and the Revolving Door, I was trying to remember all those managers that they had, Jose twice and yeah, I do remember when Zolo was there for a little bit too. Yeah. They've had a lot, man. They've had a lot. So
0: one of the benefits of people can fill in the blanks. Yeah. From there. Yeah. Anywho, I, I was gonna uh, say it
1: must must be nice being a billionaire owning a, right. yeah. a football club. So
0: Exactly. Uh what do you guys uh, have coming up in your your future here like uh, any other type of um, structural stuff happening aside from just like results on the field
1: um, so there is obviously the over overarching thing that's been talked about for four or five seasons of this possibly being the summer where they go out and get a director of football um, I would go into that but I've read it every year for four to five years so if they do it, I think I think they should do it. They need it. They've always needed it. There's some really good names out there that I would like to see. But, you know, again, I me saying it on our podcast doesn't influence uh, whether they're going to go and grab that. But um, we did just bring in a new physio. And then also the thing that made me the happiest was uh, Darren Fletcher, our former midfielder of who probably – 13, 14 seasons, uh, had been coaching the under-16s, and he just got promoted to the senior staff. Um, although I didn't see him today, but maybe he just wasn't shown. Or
0: I think I saw one picture of him and Michael Carrick together, mm-hmm. and that it, was about
1: it. I think the one you're talking about, that's Kieran McKenna, who looks just like Darren Fletcher. So it's,
0: oh, really? it's okay. funny,
1: yeah, but yeah, that yeah. was the... Because that that specific shot was the one I was looking. at. I was like, "Man, I wonder if Fletch is there." But uh, yeah, I'm happy to see it, man. Um, I'm just like with Carrick being there. I think that's part of what makes a club like United good and special, right? Is keeping their DNA and keeping the players that were core parts of success in the past. Um, part of part of it all, um, you know. I think for a couple years they lost their identity a little bit of we're just going to go out and get the biggest names, whether it comes to coaches or whether it comes to players. And, uh, it seems like they feel like they got the right guy. Now they're changing their policy on who they're buying and why they're buying them and how much they're spending. They're changing their policy on how much they're paying players, uh, which is something that definitely needed to change. So all of these things are good for me in my eyes. I think they're good, but, um, it also comes with some growing pains, you know? And uh, I think we're starting to get on the right track and starting to go in the right direction, you know? And um, I think we're good enough to finish in the top four this year. And uh, that would be success to me right now. You know, anything better than that, I- I'd take. I think we're good enough. I think we're one of the top four teams in this league right now. So,
0: Yeah, it's fair to say. You guys are showing... A lot more consistency from week to week and showing a little bit more of a decisive style from match to match. And so that and just with your history of success just allows those, you know, bridges to be easier to cross of, you know, making that a reality of you know, leading to success because you've already done it. It's not something that needs to be hypothetical. It's something that you can just point to and say, let's just do that again rather than some insurmountable, you know, first time, etc. And so, yeah, this is still a wide open race this season. Uh, I think that uh, any of the current top four to five teams will be exchanging spots pretty fluidly. Uh, between and among each other. Um, as you said, we're not quite at the halfway point. And then from the halfway point on, that's 57 available points. So um, that's uh, a good amount of variance that can come into play at the very end of the season and make all the difference of who goes into the Champions League and who just misses out. And I'm really looking forward to it. And I want everyone to stay safe at the same time all that, you know, I'm, I'm a humane, considerate person. (laughs) I respect these guys for their talent, but I also want them to have full tanks so that they can be actual human beings in the world that can, you know, feel safe when, you know, they're not playing football both on and off the pitch, I should say. Um, yeah, I just, I want these guys to be well so that, you know, they can keep this up. I mean, we still live in a pandemic world and, you know, there's very real risks for these guys. Uh, it's very unfortunate, you know, they're, they're very healthy, very healthy people. Obviously they've been training physically for their entire lives. It's a very aerobic sport. And, you know, Steve Bruce, manager of Newcastle has said that, you know, it's all one thing to have the symptoms, you know, for a quick bit and then they're gone, but it's really the, the long COVID that we're worried about. And he brought this up in an article on The Athletic where they've had they've had two guys, one of them being uh, Alanza Maximan, I think. They have been out for a while now, and he's mentioned where, keep in mind these guys are used to running six, seven miles a match a lot of the time, uh, and they're going for half-hour walks and then wanting to go back to bed. That's really the outlier cases that all along affect all sorts of humans all over the world this past year, but also affects these elite athletes. And, and that's where they can't just become commodities. You know, I want to see this league perform and succeed and show the quality, but it shouldn't compromise, you know, the people that drive that that market. And so, yeah, that's that's the one thing that I'm always... Worried about because I'm compassionate. I don't want guys that a that I support and have come to quote unquote know and become more familiar with in a way, but also just you know their their fellow competitors, guys that have trained their entire lives to get to this point. They don't deserve to um, have that taken away from them. So that's the overarching thing that I'm going to be weighing against. My excitement for the rest of the season, so not yeah. to be a, a a wet blanket or anything like that.
1: No, 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 no. But I I can remember what you just said reminded me of. I can remember when all sports were coming back. Obviously, soccer was one of the the very first ones. But of thinking to myself, like, is this really worth it? Like, yeah, like I get more enjoyment because I can sit on the couch and watch sports that I love. But like if someone gets seriously ill or dies or is affected for the rest of their life, like, is it really worth it? And, uh, I think we've been pretty lucky so far. And, you know, I think the NBA really showed with the bubble whole thing, like, Hey, there is a way that you can do this safely. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's something that I think about almost every time I'm watching it. And I think it's because of, the lack of fans. So you're constantly reminded that we're still in this state and this whole thing is still going on, but it's just like, I, I don't know, man, to this Steve Bruce's point is like, they still don't know what the long-term effects of this is going to be, especially on the heart and the lungs. And those are your two most important organs. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I'm the same way. I just, I would hate to see anything like that happen at, for the sake of, really it comes down to clubs needing to make money and humans needing to be entertained, you know? So,
0: Yeah, so that's why I want, you know, these different vaccines to make it to as many people as possible. Let's unlock this world and get this in the rearview mirror as soon as possible. So I say that knowing that I have zero power whatsoever on all of these things except for just, like, my own willingness to uh, champion them and, you know, hope that in some way these words lead to just that much more, you know, uh, potential for betterment of this entire situation because I think that we've all been patient and strong in that we deserve to have the world back that we enjoyed so much and reconnect with the family and friends and acquaintances and even kind strangers that we've met along the way just to be able to have that fabric back so i don't want that to come back while compromising people along the way to get back to that so
1: yep i'm right right there with you man right there with it so, definitely. Yeah,
0: but that's kind of all I have to say about that.
1: Yep. Um yeah, man, I think I'm pretty good. Uh obviously we both got FA Cup matches uh this weekend, so maybe we can uh reconvene next week and uh talk about things a little bit and uh,
0: Sure. Why not? Go from there. All right. It's uh I'll pencil you in.
1: <laughs> my my schedule's pretty open, so just let me know if you got some time. So,
0: uh, you know, I'll uh I'll drive by while you're mowing your yard. You're not mowing your yard; it's the wintertime. Shoveling, yeah. shoveling <laughs> yeah, snow, shoveling snow. So, yeah. all right, man. Well, we uh will gather together later when we know more about the results of future matches. <laughs> It's a good, Sound that's good? It's
1: a great point, dude. That's a good way to put it. That's yeah, really yeah. I,
0: th- I thought it, it makes sense, right? It
1: does. It does make sense. <laughs> that, that part of it does. So.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for putting up with us, everyone. So we'll, uh, we'll get this out to you, and uh, we'll see you yet another time. Have a good evening. Stay safe.